0: An accident was part of the life-saving chain of events that led to a Nobel Prize.
1: Yet one Nobel winner says some other parts of his life and of nature are not accidents. We'll explain.
2: Electronic media deluge us with information and misinformation in forms of bits and bytes. On today's Truth in the Test Tube, let's take atoms of information and combine them into molecules of meaning.
1: Scottish bacteriologist Sir Alexander Fleming knew some substances could kill bacteria. He had discovered that one bacteria killer was a protein that is found in tears and mucus.
0: But his chief discovery began by accident. When he was appointed Professor of Bacteriology at the school where he'd been a medical student, he left a culture of staphylococcus germs uncovered for several days. He was ready to discard the dish containing the culture when he noticed that some specks of mould had fallen into it. He observed that for a short distance around every speck of mould, many bacteria had died and no new growth had invaded the area.
1: Fleming isolated the mould and eventually identified it as one closely related to the variety of mould often found growing on stale bread. Fleming reasoned that the mould contained some compound that inhibited the growth of bacteria. He called the substance penicillin.
0: Nine years later, German biochemist Ernst Chain read Fleming's paper and discussed it with his colleague Howard Florey. Chain analysed the structure of penicillin and successfully isolated the active substance by freeze-drying a broth that he'd extracted from a mould. His original research required 500 litres of broth to produce enough penicillin for one tablet. Chain is now widely regarded as one of the major founders of the entire field of antibiotics.
1: Fleming Chain and Howard Florey shared the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine in 1945 for the discovery of penicillin and its curative effect in various infectious diseases. Their discovery, and other antibiotics based on it, have saved millions of lives.
0: The Nobel website points out that Chain also researched the metabolism of tumours, investigated how to neutralise snake venoms, and develop methods of biochemical analysis.
1: The magazine Acts and Facts contains a biographical article about Chain. It's written by Dr Jerry Bergman and entitled Ernst Chain, Antibiotics Pioneer.
0: Dr Bergman points out in his article one of Chain's lifelong professional concerns was the validity of Darwin's theory of evolution, which he concluded was a very feeble attempt to explain the origin of species based on assumptions so flimsy that it could hardly be called a theory.
1: Why did he believe that?
0: Chain called macroevolution a mechanistic concept that was a typical product of the naive 19th century. He explained that many scientists give evolution credit for the origin and development of all living species, animals, plants and microorganisms but he called evolution the haphazard, blind interplay of the forces of nature and the pursuance of one aim only, namely that for the living systems to survive. He said scientists who believe that are mistaken, misled by the 19th century attitude that science had unlimited potential. And that attitude spread the belief that there were no secrets of nature which could not be solved by the scientific approach, given only sufficient time.
1: Why did Dr. Chain think macroevolution hadn't really occurred?
0: He said these classic evolutionary theories are a gross oversimplification of an immensely complex and intricate mass of facts. And it amazes me that they were swallowed so uncritically and readily and for such a long time by so many scientists without a murmur of protest. He added that the idea that biological development and survival of a fittest was entirely a consequence of chance mutations was a hypothesis based on no evidence and irreconcilable with the facts. He called it wild speculation.
1: So Nobel laureate Ernst Chain thought evolution on the macro scale was a wild speculation because it was a gross oversimplification of an immensely complex and intricate mass of facts.
0: Yes, his oldest son Benjamin added, he disliked theories, especially when they assumed the form of dogma.
1: Dogma is a rigid teaching that allows no disagreement or discussion.
0: He also felt that evolution was not really a part of science. Most parts of evolutionary theory can't be tested by experiment. Another reason he did not consider evolution a scientific theory was that the problem was not the survival of the fittest, but the arrival of the fittest.
1: The arrival of the fittest would include an understanding of how any life originated, from the simplest one-celled life forms to the highest animals and man.
0: Right. He reasoned that there could be no struggle for existence until various species had come into existence and began fighting to see which ones would survive.
1: How much variety did he think mutations really do produce?
0: He wrote... There is no doubt that such variants do arise in nature and that their emergence can and does make some limited contribution towards the evolution of species. The open question is the extent and significance of this contribution. Another time he said that evolution willfully neglects the principle of purpose which stares the biologist in the face wherever he looks, whether he be engaged in the study of different organs in one organism or whether he studies the interrelation and interactions of various species. In particular, Dr. Chain noted our modern knowledge of the genetic code and its function in transmitting genetic information. He said it seems quite incompatible with classical Darwinian ideas of evolution.
1: I've read opinions that a belief in evolution has led people to behave more cruelly and less morally.
0: Dr. Chain agreed. In a speech in London he said it's easy to draw analogies between the behaviour of apes and man and draw conclusions from the behaviour of birds and fishes on human ethical behaviour. But this fact does not allow the development of ethical guidelines for human behaviour and all attempts to do this suffer from a failure to take into account the all-important fact of man's capability to think and to be able to control his passions. These attempts are therefore doomed to failure.
1: Some scientists say that religious beliefs do not deserve to be talked about, that science is the only reality. What did Dr. Chain think about that?
0: He wrote, This seems to me a very sweeping and dogmatic conclusion. He knew that scientific theories can be proven wrong and replaced with new theories. He said that they can be turned upside down by the discovery of one single new fact – this has happened time and again, even in the exactest of sciences, which are physics and astronomy. It applies even more so to the biological field, where the concepts and theories are much more liable to be overthrown at a moment's notice.
1: When my atheistic friends hear statements like that, they dismiss them by saying that the person who spoke on them must have a religious prejudice.
0: Dr. Chain's son said that his father's concern about evolution were based on science. Chain was very concerned about how Darwinism affected human behaviour. He wrote, Any speculation and conclusions pertaining to human behaviour, drawn on the basis of Darwinian evolutionary theories, must be treated with the greatest caution and reserve. A less discriminating section of the public may enjoy reading about comparisons between the behaviour of apes and man, but this approach does not really lead us very far. He explained, apes, after all, have not produced great prophets, philosophers, mathematicians, writers, poets, composers, painters and scientists. They're not inspired by the divine spark which manifests itself so evidently in the spiritual creation of man and which differentiates man from animals.
1: So he would disagree with the author who called humans naked apes, apes that had lost their hair and gained a few new abilities.
0: Definitely. Dr. Chain made it very clear that he believed God created mankind and that he gave instructions on how to live in harmony with other humans. Chain wrote that scientists looking for ultimate guidance in questions of moral responsibility would do well to turn to the fundamental and lasting values of the Code of Ethical Behaviour, forming part of the divine message which man was uniquely privileged to receive through the intermediation of a few chosen individuals.
1: Was he talking about the Bible?
0: Yes. Dr Bergman concludes his article by saying, There are few scientists, if any, who have made a greater contribution to human welfare than Sir Ernst Chain. His work founded the field of antibiotics, which has saved the lives of multi-millions of persons. Chain is only one of many modern scientists who've concluded that modern neo-Darwinism is not only scientifically bankrupt, but also harmful to society.
2: Thank you for listening to Truth in the Test Tube. Now it's your turn to talk back to us with comments, questions and suggestions. We have two different email addresses depending upon where you live. For most of the world, it's truthtest.com. At truth tube dot That's truth test at truth tube dot If you live in India, please use test tube at radio eight eight two I repeat, test tube at radio eight eight two Our phone number in India is nine one nine eight four five six one six four one two. Here it is again. Nine one nine eight four five six one six four one two in India. Be sure to join us again soon here on Truth in the test tube.